Today, I present to you an interview with Andrew Elamon. He is with the law offices of Nick Namath in Dallas, Texas. He presents his experiences with working remotely, thoughts on doing tax controversy work in a time of greater technological need, his experiences with volunteering to assist low-income taxpayers and working within a VITA organization. Now, I must admit the audio quality of Andrew's side is not so good. I tried to do what I could, so please bear with me on the audio, and I apologize for the issues at this point, but thank you for tuning in to Tax Justice Warriors. Welcome to Tax Justice Warriors, the podcast that celebrates the work of low-income taxpayer clinics, focuses on tax controversy work, and looks at related issues in tax news. I'm your host, William Schmidt, the director of the Low-Income Taxpayer Clinic at Kansas Legal Services. Hello, my name is Andrew Allen. I am a tax attorney in Dallas, Fort Worth area. I have been practicing for nearly five years. I started my career working as VITA before and during law school and after law school. That progressed me to moving into doing tax work. I worked, volunteered at first with the Rhode Island Civil Services. That got me to the tax controversy aspect of it. I've been doing uh, everything from tax set resolution, full tax prep, to tax set resolution, audits and bankruptcies, and set all involving tax. Right now my qualifications are in addition to my JD, I have a tax element. So at my tax element, I kind of focused on kind of the tax procedures, corporate level, um, and with regards to small businesses. Typically, are my clients now. Um, not your big major corporations, international, but your mom and pop stores to maybe mid size. Yeah, I guess I'm good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's let's start with working with the VITA program. Did what drew you to you were a VITA coordinator, is is that correct? So I started VITA doing as a quality reviewer. Eventually went into a a site coordinator. We had multiple sites, but just a site coordinator. Yes. So what drew me into being a VITA was it was it was the opportunity to present myself. Uh, it was in a uh, it was right after college. I was offered an opportunity to do VITA, but they don't tell you you're doing VITA, and they're like, hey, look, you want to learn something new, want to learn how to do your taxes, we're doing this tax-free, 40-hour week training on how to do taxes, and maybe, you know, there's an opportunity to, to help out the community. So I took that, it was through uh, United Healthcare, through, through a nonprofit in the city that reached out and needed people to pay, do the training, learn, so I had an IRS instructor, I was in a classroom, uh, learning how to do taxes from the beginning to the end, and it was a quick, intense training session. Uh, training session. Um, from there, I started volunteering, started and kept with it every single year that was available. I did it. I did it in law school, and then even after law school. Unfortunately, right now, I don't have the time to. But every so often, there's a pro bono case. Yes, helping someone out always helping out other practitioners in the area who may not have the resources to help with a uh, low-income client or need some tax returns. So you'll see on the ABA's mailing list that I'm providing some advice here, um, 
comments here. And actually, we see two. So it's always a two-way stream. Um, we've answered your question. Uh, certainly. And I saw that you also have volunteered for, it, it looked like a, a low-income taxpayer clinic, so um, or, or a legal aid organization. Could you speak to that? Yes. So I've done multiple, multiple of them. So in the beginning, it was Rhode Island Legal Services. Uh, with tax prep, there's always that next progression. It's like, give me by the site. Someone's coming back in from last year. Hey, I received a notice. Um, what is this premium tax credit? Oh, it wasn't included. I need help responding with this notice. I, you'll have someone coming in and it's like, hey, this W-2 wasn't reported. Or my employer put me as a 1099, uh, but I was there every day with the employer. So that step of how can I help that person brought me to the Rhode Island Legal Services. Going to the next step, going to tax controversy, dealing with workers' classification, dealing with people who receive incorrect 1099s, how to respond to that, say, filing a tax competition. The number one thing we always received was if a client takes care of their kid, someone else claimed that kid, and there's a dependency question, a father and a mother fighting over a claim. Moving that and helping them brought me to the Rhode Island Legal Clinic and threw me right into. Uh, learning how to do with it, how to help people, to help expand my legal career. And with Rhode Island Legal Clinic, it actually interests me to like Keith Fogg, who writes the, the APA, effectively representing your tax booster, brought me into other clinics in the area, in the, in the Northeast, that helped me introduce it to the court, tax court judges who are currently throughout the country. So it was a great eye-opener in seeing it. Hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, for sure. Now it looks to me like like you're in private practice. Well, it, it sounds like you, you do a mix of, is it both preparing tax returns and tax controversy work? Is it is it both or, or one or the other? It's both in the sense that with any tax controversy, you're going to be having clients who need to redo the, their taxes. You need to just do, just uh, last calendar call. Had a client who... Um, petition as tax court regarding a refund claim. Of course, this client hasn't filed 1718, so we're there preparing 1718, so we're still working on that. No matter what, even not doing tax controversy, I'm always going to have you to go back and redo a tax return uh, at some, some point. It always brings me back to that because, I mean, even though we may be dealing with the law, we still have to do that practical step. Um, this is how it's going to change. And sometimes it's dirty. Sometimes we're, we're printing out the forms and I'm doing it by hand and I'm on my phone looking at the tax table and putting everything in. Uh, and I always have the benefit of the software. And hey, doing that, but it's, it's great that, A, I know how to do that. And you can see that difference with some people who are, it's rare, but there's some people who are doing this line of work who don't know their way around a tax for sure. So, so it sounds like you are preparing the returns to deal with controversies. You're you're not doing the the high high end tax return preparation. So, what what kind of tax controversy cases do you see the most? For at my firm, for most of what we see is the biggest one that we see is just in returns regards to audits. So, client is getting referred to us by CPA, so they had an audit or some disagreements, 
And now that on a case has transferred to a tactical emergency case, whether it be some questions about the documentation to whether it's a particular tactical decision that they're taking. And that tends to be most of our tactical Okay. Somewhere from a link to an audit. Okay, fair enough. April 15 was two days ago. You know, what, what we often term as tax day. Uh, how, how did that affect you? In our, our email conversation, you, you were looking at that as, as something that, that clients may be contacting you. How, um, how did that affect you and, and with the, the delay in tax season, how, how is that affecting you? So, that's a really good question. Essentially, a lot of tax controversy was all, I mean, the court, uh, the calendar got canceled. So there's, there's play in that in regards for April 15th. A lot of any tax preparation that needs to be done were actually kind of put on, got put on hold or got super accelerated. Uh, either you have this one portion where a lot of our clients, small businesses, end up with the PPC application. So we're there on hand doing calculations and then the next day ripping it up because the SBA and the Treasury Department released new regulations on how to the calculations. So a lot of that was answering our clients' questions regarding to uh, the PPP. And drawing from that, sometimes people have the 2018, but some bank accounts, some banks are requesting 2019 information to be done. I think there was one bank that was asking for 2020 information in regards to 940-941 and requesting information that normally is you have time to do and need to be accelerated fast. So that put on hold on any tax preparation, no holding, or operations to deal with our small businesses regarding the PPP. Uh, for our individual, it was, hey, I need to get 2019 done because I want my stimulus check. Earlier today in the office, our front desk was counting the number of calls we got every single we got regarding the stimulus check. Not even for our clients, just for people calling us. And they said it was like, they, one person got 40 uh, within eight hours. So uh, we were dealing with that leading up to April 15th. And April 15th, and, hey, I can't access the portal on the IRS website. Where's my stimulus check? I guess it's the wrong bank account. So a lot, of, a lot of more procedural questions, administrative procedural questions, than actual tax stuff. <laughs> and that's what was for the past couple of weeks for us. Normally, I'm, to be honest, I'm, in the next couple of weeks, normally I'm supposed to be going on vacation. Now that I'll go canceled. <laughs> And right now we're playing it day by day, right? And my boss will say we're playing it hour by hour by hour. We don't know what's going to be happening. We're, I'm getting more pushed into doing the legislative updates, following up with everything in terms of with the PPP. My boss is like, I need you to monitor this bill. What's going to be happening next? Are we going to get another rush of people with more money for the PPP? Or um, what's this new proposed tax bill that's going to be happening? Are we going to get another stimulus check? How is that going to affect 2020? So that's kind of shifting us from tax controversy dealing with, say, 15, 16, 17, 18 issues to doing, we need to start, say, 2020 tax law changes and keeping up with that for our clients. Yeah, and then the the SBA, all of that that money, it's it sounds to me like it's all dried up. So that that was a very fast dispersal of, of money, and yeah, it, it seemed like that, that was its own... A little bit of a, a mess for for applications, right there. Yes. Yeah, but before we spoke, you had a 
hearing with appeals? Any thoughts on, on dealing with appeals or, or any cases during this time of, of everyone uh, working remotely? Yes, I have tons of input on that. <laughs> In my experience, a lot of te- a lot of uh, tax firms are tend to that deal with tax tend to be old fashioned, tend to have limited technology, and pretty much computer, phone, pen, and paper. And that computer is pretty much only there to keep up to do the tax software <laughs> and to do our case management with everyone from our in my office, I'm one of the youngest attorneys in the firm. So for my budget, I was paying for my own internal fax. So my boss was like, no, we got to do the fat, regular fax. I want to keep that. But I was able to get my own fax. I was able to get my own phone system using my computer. So a white phone. My boss, the phone's still analog. It's analog to the wall, and it's all digital. A lot of the stuff was you had to be in the office. And that's the IRS too. The IRS still has e-fax, but they're still printing it out, and you can see, like, you're like, print it out, you can just email it. So now, and I hear from my colleagues too, with everyone getting in and doing this. So my personal e-fax now is confirmed. Uh, so I have my phone. I'm like, I'm helping everyone doing Microsoft Teams, updating the software. Addressing the social questions, how can we put this into our workflow, going in with two uh, remote systems that we have. So uh, how can license issues with the software uh, remote? Looking at my desktop right now, see what we have. Uh, dealing with uh, some programs, so especially with the economy right now, uh, what free programs can we be using to handle documents that we have? So doing that dispersing it to the staff. As for us internally, with the IRS, it's been very interesting because uh, now I have some of the personal phone numbers for, <laughs> for some people I work with because the IRS, what they tell me is that their laptops are, I mean, I've seen them in person, but their remote communication, the program they use to talk is on their laptop and say their microphone might be broken or their keyboard's not working. So they have to use an external device and if they didn't get it, they had to buy it. So there's been a lot of like talking to someone on the phone and they sound so far away because they don't have a headset. Mm-hmm. And so they're using internal mic on the <clears throat> there. And so that's always been interesting. Like what do you say? Now um, now some are using email, which is great because you like put something out And so it's been like it's been a lot nicer, but it's also consumed more of my time. So um best way some examples is a conversation that should have been five minutes, not taking an hour because we've been going back and forth with some technology issues more like on the IRS side. See what else I can say in regards to that. It's been very interesting. I think in the long run it would be help us bring the IRS and some of our firms to twenty twenty. Well hopefully twenty twenty one because twenty twenty is gonna cancel us. <laughs> right. <laughs> um bring the bringing everyone up to speed and it's been nice. I find it Okay. 
when I can go into the office July, around July, I expect, I will go pick it up and look at it. I will not work on this until I can have it. And I had one the other day, uh, and a revenue agent said, I am going to keep emailing you. If I need your permission, I'm like, yes, <laughs> this audit report. <laughs> I had one agent who said that I, they have it on the computer, they can fax it to me. But they're like, it's too complicated for them, so they're going to print it out. And I'm just like, why? <laughs> yeah. 15 minutes to learn how to do this? Well, I mean, even if they're getting some workarounds, you know, as long as we can get the work done. But, but yes, if, if we could do everything, you know, paperless and, and electronically, that, that would be the, the best solution. But, yeah, if if we can avoid that that waiting until July 15 or, or whichever to to progress on cases, then, then that would be for the best. I have really only had a fraction of my cases that have, have progressed in, in the last couple of weeks just because I... I have contacts, direct phone numbers to, to specific people within the IRS. And, you know, otherwise, if it's if it's just in general trying to get someone into currently not collectible or, or, or dealing just in general prepping them with their collection issues, those, those are just going to have to, to wait and, until I can deal directly with the IRS. Was there something specific that, that you wanted to highlight today or... Highlight at this point about you or or your work right now. Something I would like to highlight. I think we're going to see a lot of. This is one of those market changing events, not in regards to the economy, but in regards to tax firms. Tax firms, like I mentioned before, have been very stationary. Go in, go into a tax office, and box of paper left and right, left and right, and people doing stuff by hand for a couple of things. And I, I'm I'm hoping, and I see it, that firms have been able to ramp up to being you know, paperless, to be electronic, to streaming workouts are going to be more successful during now and in the future. It's, we've only been able to keep that status quo because the IRS could keep that status quo. But now we got to, everything's in fax, it's an email. Now that's not happening with them. There, here's my email, uh, here's this online portal. I hate uh, what's that protocol. But there's some very limited programs. Say to set up a computer plan, OPA. That's it, OPA. Mm-hmm. So you have a client comes in, you set it up, it's less than fifty thousand per person. I I hope and I believe that there's going to see it and be like, hey look, why why is this all online? And it's been in the works. I mean you, you go to these meetings, you go to the uh, stakeholder meetings, they're saying a couple of years, we're looking at a practitioner division, we're looking at chatting with someone online. I'm not sure if you heard about the chat messaging feature to talk to an IRS agent about your visiting Philadelphia has one mm-hmm. uh, demo going up. I think there's just going to be a huge push for that to be like, this is what happened in the past. This is what's going on right now. Why don't we have this now to prepare for the future? Because everyone knows there's going to be, I mean, instant news. This is like round one, round two of COVID. In the couple months or next year, there's going to be Another rate coming again, shutdowns here and there. I mean, that's that's happening. It happened with the Spanish flu, so we we should, and I hope we learn that we need to be prepared for it. And it's going to bring us up to to that change, where that same change where the legal field, where when 
mandatory e-filing came up, there were some firms who were like, yeah, we're just not going to deal with it. We're going to close. We're going to retire. And that could be here, too. People who are not going to want to change with the times might just close up shops and give up. Hopefully, it's not doom and gloom, but more of a, like, hey, we're going to be able to better serve our clients. Yeah, I, I was listening to something yesterday that, that this is definitely a pivot point for law firms, for the tax firms to to decide whether they will go paperless or, or what kind of technology, software devices, what, what kind of ways they will use to, to progress into the future, or, or whether they will just close shop and retire and, and let someone else deal with the issues. So it, it's certainly a, a decision time for quite a lot of businesses at, at this at this juncture. Well, th- those were the main questions I, I have, unless unless there's some more that, that you would like to highlight, Andrew. Okay. Well, well, thank you for joining me. Yeah, I, I appreciate your time and and I thank you for your insights on on work during this during this period of of COVID nineteen. Thank you for listening to Tax Justice Warriors. We have a Patreon page if you'd like to support this podcast. Providing monetary support for this podcast helps with expenses like equipment or travel to tax conferences. Supporting this podcast through Patreon comes with rewards, so check out our Patreon page. Please rate or review this podcast because positive reviews help get more people to know this podcast exists. The views expressed on this podcast are not official opinions of the IRS, the Low Income Taxpayer Clinic Program, or the employers of the people who spoke on this program. Your tax situation is unique, so do not take the statements on this program as tax or legal advice. Consult with your own tax professional to provide you with specific advice on your situation. Tune in next time on Tax Justice Warriors for another interesting tax discussion.